This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 64, with Jeff Lipsky. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onken, and on this show, we're bringing you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onken, and today's guest is Mr. Jeff Lipsky, one of my favorite photographers. And for all you photographers out there, you're going to love this episode. We do geek out a bit on the world of photography and cameras and all that good stuff, but we also talk a lot about Jeff's path to becoming a photographer and what it took from him to get to where he's at today. If you don't know Jeff's work, you should definitely check it out, jefflipsky.com, and that's J-E-F-F-L-I-P-S-K-Y.com. Jeff's a great friend of mine. He and I met a handful of years ago, and that just came from me hitting him up and admiring his work, and he was so gracious enough to have a coffee with me, and we became friends from there. He's such an awesome and personable guy, which is why he does so well with his subjects. And Jeff has shot almost every celebrity you can think of, and now he's shooting for Vanity Fair and all the top magazines. Jeff has an awesome little studio office down in Santa Monica, and we did a little exclusive studio tour on video. So go to shoptalkradio.com slash EP64. Check out the video and the photos we shot of him, as well as the show notes and links that he talks about in the episode. In this episode, we talk about many things. We talk about why you have to do personal work, which is also a great highlight that I usually like to talk about. We talk about timing, tenacity, and talent, and how they apply to the creative field and the creative arts. And we talk about how to enjoy the process and not necessarily the end result. And when you enjoy the process of making photographs, whether they're the ones you're loving or not, that is what is the most important. We talk about many other things, but we'll jump into it here. So let me bring to you the one, the only, Mr. Jeff Lipsky. Awesome. Well, we have Mr. Jeff Lipsky, the one and only, the master photographer here. I've known Jeff for a while now. It's been like probably six or seven years. I, I, you know, I think it might be even more for some reason. I remember we had lunch, was it seven years ago? Yeah, I, I think so. You just came back from South America shooting Nike. That's right. I was living in LA actually at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want to be a photographer. I'm like, what have you done? He's like, well, I just shot... Well, I just did Nike in South America. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I do do that. <laughs> I've, I've always looked up to Jeff's work. I love it. If you haven't seen it, jefflipsky.com. Go check it out. He's shot everyone under the sun. I mean, you name it. You name them. He's shot them. He's shot. Well, I mean, who have you shot? Give me some. A lot of people. A lot I mean, of people. Over the years, you're going to eventually get to shoot everyone, I guess. Yeah. You become as old as me. <laughs> We're in his office. I see Tracy Morgan over here. God. Yeah. And we got, who else? Tracy. Slater hovering over us. Oh, there's Tony Hawk over Tony there. Tony Hawk. I got to go snowboarding with him in Alaska for 10 days, heliboarding on assignment for Men's Journal. 
Rob Haggard was the photo director at the time, and he goes, uh, "Can you?" Um, email came and said, "Can you go to Chugach, um, Alaska, with Tony Hawk heliboarding with him for um, ten days for a shoot?" <laughs> and as I was reading it, on the bottom it said, "This is not a joke," because <laughs> I oh thought it was a joke. That and that was you know one of my dream assignments. So I have that photo up there of Tony hovering with a with a helicopter hovering over his head. That's, that's an epic shot. <laughs> epic shot. Well, I was there. I was there. Back in the heyday, man. I, I couldn't imagine photography back. It's still that way. Yeah. It still is. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Somebody. People. Are, there's assignments like that all the time. There are yeah. fewer, but there are those assignments. Fewer and far between. <laughs> I love it. So I'm also seeing Ellen Page here up at the wall and Adrian Brody. Yeah, Adrian was one of my first celebrity photo shoots when I came to LA. It was for People Magazine. So cool. And it was a great, he just won an Oscar for the piano. Oh, wow. So, uh, the piano. Was the piano? The piano. Yeah. Oh, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. piano. Oh, crazy. So how did you get started in photography? Where, I guess, where yeah. are you oh, from? Well, first of all, don't label me as a celebrity photographer. <laughs> <laughs> a prolific <laughs> photographer that shoots everyone the under I think, the sun. Well, I'd like to talk about that later, but it's about being able to do, you know, cover everything as a photographer, yeah. not just do one thing. Yeah. Within Absolutely. this day and age. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about let's go back to the the early years of Jeff Lipsky. Where oh. are you from? What were you doing? Have you always been into photography? Or I believe so. I came from a very uh, photography oriented family where it was just photographs were always taken in my house, mm. and um, there was always documenting going on. When uh, I mean every picture I have of a little kid, I have a camera in my hand and I'm taking a picture of somebody. I mean I must have like. 100 selfies when I was like eight years old. <laughs> my mom kept them all. Pre-selfie so days. You know, the, with the with the uh, the cube, of the you know, the uh, flash cube and the old Kodak cameras, the 110 cameras. Oh, I moved wow. up to the Olympus Stylus wow. when I was in camp. And then I got a Nikon for my bar mitzvah, <laughs> an FM, a used FM, and uh, that changed it all. I was like, oh, you know, this is something that's special. I wanna, yeah. This is what I want to do. And then went to college at Boston University, did not study photography at all. I think I took one class wow. where um, they really at the time didn't offer any photography, but it was, I was an advertising major thinking I was going to get advertising. And then uh, my senior year, I'm like, you know, I think I want to go, I want to go skiing somewhere. I, t I decided to like, I was always fascinated by the mountains and skiing. So I moved to Telluride. Oh, wow. And um, lo and behold, that lasted over 10 years. I stayed there for 10 years and I became, um, I was a snowboarder and I was a fly fishing guide. Yeah. And, be, you know, being there in the mountains and in the, in the wilderness and experiencing it all. I mean, my biggest worry was I always joke whether to wear my sunglasses or take my goggles up in the mountain. <laughs> and uh, I met a lot of interesting people. Mm. A lot of people came through there. So I met a lot of um, actors. I met just an, an incredible amount of people came to you. Mm. So um, I sort of got the spark about photography again. I started, they had a dark room and I started t printing and taking pictures with my old Nikon that I had still. Wow. And um, and then there was an opening at the newspaper, and that's a paper. It's a daily, and there's a cover every day, so you get to shoot the cover. And no, uh, my friend handed it over to me. Hey, do you want to be the photographer? I'm like, sure. That's what I want to do. So I shot for you know maybe like eight months to a year. I was I worked for the Daily Planet, like Clark Kent, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen, <laughs> and um, that really sparked it. And then I was like, you know, I need to move away. I need to go somewhere to do this. I really want to do it. This is what yeah. I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. So I um, used my resources of people that I knew that lived in 
Los Angeles from meeting them in Telluride and mm. came out here and started assisting. And we're, I worked at Smashbox Studios for, I think, seven months, volunteered at night. I went in at 12 o'clock midnight and stocked the studios till like four in the morning. No kidding. Yeah, it was a great experience because I would be like there. It's, you know, we would be on Mario, Mario Testino's set while he was shooting Gucci. No you know, way. it was like shut down and we had, we'd have to go in there and like, you know, reload the gear or cl clean up the table or clean up the cigarette butts, whatever. Wow. And like I would see like this Gucci campaign being shot and all it was would be like one bare head on a blue wall. No way. I, I think I don't I, re I remember that campaign vividly. It was like everyone was on those like teal blue wall with like one sharp light on them. And I was like, God, he's shooting a Gucci campaign. All, use, all he's using is one light. So I really had this like fascination with simplicity of lighting mm, mm. you know um because i don't like to use too many lights if i don't have to yeah yeah so I know that's that where it all started wow so when you moved to when you moved from colorado to la you just picked up and moved and yeah i came out yeah basically i mean i had a little help here and there i was friends with um daryl hannah who um i was her snowboard instructor <laughs> she was really good to me <laughs> She's like, if you ever need someone, you know, if you can, you can photograph me whenever you want. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, like London Sunday Times um, needed a picture of her. She's like, will you go? I need a picture of me. Can you, let's go to San Inez and I'll, you know, be with my horse. You can take a picture. And I had bought at Hasselblad and uh, a couple rolls of um, 120 film that I had never loaded into a Hasselblad before. I never even wow. knew how to open up a 120 film. I didn't even know what 120 film was, you know, I had yeah. only shot 35. And... Um, well, it was my first experience really shooting somebody. Yeah. And and just a camera. She had like a white t-shirt on with her horse. It was all dirty. And it was in Santinez and the light was in the perfect place. And I just clicked away. And some of the best photos I've ever taken ever was was at that, that moment and how simple it was. And wow. I still remember it. And I was like, this is, I, I knew that was the place where I wanted to be. Yeah. And then. I try to hold on to film as long as I could after that. <laughs> so why do you think that was the, the, some of the best pictures you've ever taken? Because it was just myself and the subject. There was nothing mm -hmm. else. Nowadays, if that shoot was to, ha was to happen, I would think there would be um, 15 to 20 people behind me on set. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. There'd be a, you know, a horse wrangler. There'd be you know, the stylist with the racket clothes. There'll be you know, two makeup, two hair, you know, assistants, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, art directors and magazines or if it was for an advertising, whatever, but it would be so many people on set and this three assistants and digital techs and things like that. And I think about, oh my God, I took one of my favorite pictures of all time. It's just myself and the subject. And that's something that I'm always trying to chase to get back to. Yeah. Believe it or not. So what would it take for you to get back to doing that? Well, you get to do personal work, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> talking to the king, personal work. Um, yeah. You gotta like just give out with your camera by yourself and start to take pictures yeah, or yeah. think of things you need to take. So I started to have actually started a little project that a small project. Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. Is that something so, you want to talk about? Or yeah, talk about it. It's, not, it's not, yeah, yeah. not prolific really. It's just, you know, anytime I can, I'm on assignment a lot and I'm always, you know, I'm grateful. I'm always, um, either shooting advertising or I'm shooting in it, working for an editorial client. And that always involves, a, it's always a process and it's always a very big production. So anytime that I can be, um, by my, you know, just with a camera and not have a reflect, not have like lights or not have someone holding up bead boards or not, there's no scrim or anything like that. It's just you and the subject. And so I've been shooting, um, family friends and, um, 
doing like a, it's like a, fa- a passion project where fathers are passing their passion to their sons Ooh. and it's capturing that passion of what they're doing to their son. And it's actually s- seeing it happen. So if it's like a, it doesn't have to be a celebrity, but let's say it is a famous surfer and he's with his son in the water. What is going on in that moment? Like oh, capturing so cool. that one moment or a musician um, playing the guitar with his son for the first time and showing the guitar to his son. So it's all about capturing those moments. Oh, I love that. So I started that. I have a bunch of people already and I'm just, it's amazing because it's just me. Yeah. And I get to hang out with them for the day or however long and we just click away. That, that's so it's, so really, cool. it's really wonderful. So what inspired that project? Um, actually, I was on assignment <laughs> <laughs> for um, a magazine and I was shooting a father and son and I saw this moment. I'm like, And I'm a father. I have three people. I have, three, I have uh, two boys and a girl. Wow. And um, uh, so I, I, I have that little insight. So when I was photographing them, I, I was like, oh my God, this is you know, I don't care if anyone else cares about this. This is something that I want to do. And that's really, that's really what it should be. It's for, for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. nobody else. That's what so, I feel is so important. Um, especially this day and age is doing stuff for yourself, doing projects for yourself. It's everything. It's, it's, you know, I, unfortunately I don't always practice what I preach. So I have more people telling me, Jeff, you need more personal projects. You need to do this. <laughs> and sometimes I, you know, I say, Oh, I'll think of one. I'll think of one. Yeah. And then you start working on real assignments and, you know, you start, you get lost and then it's hard to, you know, finish your personal project or yeah. even think of a new personal project. I always thought my editorial, I always had an excuse saying my editorial is my personal project. Yeah. Like that's my, that's my vice mm. of, you know, getting a crazy, amazing assignment going, you know, Hey, you got to go to um, Japan. We're sending you to Kyoto for, to shoot a tofu story. And <laughs> you know, that's oh, okay. That, and then finding, the nuances in that story and exploring and taking those photos. I, I considered that my personal project, but yeah. reality, it wasn't someone gave that to me. Yeah. So I think it's important to have it come from within. Yeah, absolutely. And it was that the, I, I just saw on your website, it was that the one in the, you had one of those shots in the, in the, with the father and son in the camper kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. That was my friend. He's a designer. It was a beautiful taste, shot. Yeah. He's a tastemaker. He lives in Ohio. My friend Shannon and his little boy and he designed, he makes hats and, does amazing cool so things cool. and he took his son in his airstream everyone should have airstream in the front of their house right <laughs> airstreams are amazing i would i would love to have one if i had a front yard but i live in new york so <laughs> there's airstreams in brooklyn i'm sure <laughs> there probably are probably in williamsburg <laughs> so let's jump back a little bit so when you moved to la from colorado you started assisting or you started working at the studios yep. what was kind of your path on kind of jumping in and learning the industry. Um, I, I came from the school where, and people told me you have to assist and that's how you're going to learn. That's how, the, you know, going to school, if you go to school and learn photography at school and then you assist, you of course have a leg up. It's important to go to, you know, if you can't, I didn't have the opportunity I chose cause I was already moving on with my life and I didn't want to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So, um, I started working, I deliberately worked at the busiest studio in the country pretty much for photography. Yeah. I volunteered, I deliberately volunteered there in the grip room. Wow. Knowing that, you know, Herb Ritz was shooting next door and Annie Leibovitz was shooting and Mario Testino was shooting there and all these guys were shooting there. And the first assistants would come into the, you know, into their, in the grip room and order equipment. And I'll be like, Hey, you know, I'll get you an Apple box. Hey, by the way, I, you know, I'm looking to be an assistant if you need any help at all. And that's how it happened. I started assisting all these photographers you know, I was like a third assistant for a while. Then I was like someone's second assistant. And then, you know, I was a first assistant for, you know, a couple of years. Mm. And I, and I purposely only assisted for so many years. 
Yeah. Um, there was a photographer that I used to work for. His name was Mike, um, Marco Micheletti, who, who was a fashion photographer from, from LA. And he's the first photographer that he, um, I had no idea how to load film. And he literally handed me his Pentex 6.7s. He said, <laughs> take them home. He gave me one. He said, take it home and practice loading it for me. Because then you had to know how to load specific cameras. And photographers would hire you on, on your knowledge of loading. Wow. So, um, you know, Herb, you know, you always knew, everyone knew that Bruce Weber shot Pentex 6.7. So you, if you were a fast loader Pentex, you could work with Bruce. Hmm. Or, you know, Norman Jean Royal was shot Pentex 6.7 and Mamiya. So you had to be able to do both. So Mark Seliger would shoot 6.7, Pentex 6.7, um, RZ, 4x5. Like he shot like six different cameras. And you had to, you had to know how to load everyone very <laughs> oh fast. God. So it was more of a skill than anything else. And... Um, after a while, I learned not to say, I know how to load 810, because then you got stuck in a dark room for eight hours <laughs> loading sheets. Wow. But uh, that was, it was just a different era. And that, so I learned how to load very quickly. I was a really quick loader. And I got to work with these great photographers. And um, I came up the ranks. And then always knowing, from what my friend Marco Micheletti, the fashion photographer, told me, always be shooting when you're, shoot, when you're working for someone. Never just assist. You have to be getting your portfolio mm. together. You need to be meeting people. You need to be... You know, connecting, you know, not stealing clients, but, you know, you are familiar with people in the set. You watch the other photographer, how he communicates on set. You know, you're observing all this because you want to become a photographer mm. and um, and always, always shooting for my portfolio. Yeah. You know, like I'd see a model and go, hey, do you ever want to test with me? You know, or, you know, grabbing the, uh, the assistant stylist on the, on the job or the assistant makeup artist, like, hey, I'm testing. Yeah. And lo and behold, you're suddenly you're testing with everyone and you have a group of people and they're all coming up together. So I had all the, when I was testing, I had um, and even models, like mm. there was young models that had never been shot before and stylist assistants and makeup assistants. And we would all do collaborate and do these great beauty or fashion stories together. And now they're all really successful big fashion stylists and makeup artists and the models are huge, you know, because like, I remember I shot you when I was little, you know. <laughs> that's so cool. So and everyone came up together, which is really nice. That's awesome. And so basically that's what it is. And my first job, I will, I'll never forget, I was, uh, I targeted, Ford Models was really good to me because I shot a couple of their models and they were like, Jeff, we love the way you shot our models. Can you shoot some more of them? So I would go and I would literally test like their whole board. Mm. And they would come to me and I would get film off of set. So if I was shooting with a photographer and it was leftover film, like, you know, they were like flying off to London. They go, here, Jeff, you can have the rest of the film. Oh, wow. So th that film I would use to test these models with. And at the same time, building my portfolio, it always connected me with other people. So there was um, Banana Republic was like a target of mine. I always wanted to shoot Banana Republic. Mm. And there was a, um, an art director that my friend of a friend knew in San Francisco. And I literally would shoot the models. I'm like, that person was on the Banana Republic campaign last year. This person was Banana Republic. This person's a Gap person. And I would find these models that I knew that were in the campaigns and I actually go and shoot them. Oh, wow. So I reshot them in my own way. Then every week I would take those, those contact sheets and I would laser them, uh, laser copy them for people who don't know what that is. It's like a Xerox machine that you put it on and copies <laughs> it. And, I'd lay, and I would laser them and I'd send it off, just put an envelope in like a scrap kind of way and send it to his send it to him. And every wow. week I'd send like a laser copy of like the contact sheets of a shoot that I did. No and usually it was like the model that they had, already, they had already shot. And then, I don't know, like three months later, I get this phone call. Hi, Jeff. This is, you know, Banana Republic. You know, we're, we're, we want to know your time. We want to book you for three days. We're doing the spring campaign. Um, we're going to shoot it in Malibu. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> right in my neighborhood. You know, why don't you, you know, uh, you know, 
who do you want to work with? And I'm like, of course I picked everyone that I had, that I had, um, came up with and I yeah. was trying, you know, testing with, and we had, it was like a test, but I was shooting a spring banana Republic campaign. Yeah. It was crazy. That was one of my first jobs wow. ever. I was not prepared. So how did you prepare for it once you got the job? Yeah, there's a lot of YPS going on, which I call young photographer syndrome, you know, <laughs> like forgetting the film was loaded. <laughs> things oh like that. Um, you just got to make do. You got to make do. When, yeah. when, when that kind of situation happens, you surround yourself by people that care about you and that believe in you, and then you'll do a good job. Mm. It's more important. Surround yourself by people that, you know, talented, good people who believe in you. Yeah. Because nothing's worse than like shooting a job and then someone's doubting your work. Yeah. You know, it's important when you're shooting something and you're not sure about it and someone's like, God, that looks really good, Jeff. You're like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> or someone who's honest saying, you know, you need to push it a little bit. Yeah. So you need people on your side. And yeah. I, that's what I did. I surrounded myself by friends on that first job. Oh, that's good. It turned out really well. That's awesome. <laughs> so explain YPS. Young photographer, young photographer syndrome. Yeah. Where did that come from? Uh, someone said that to me on set once um, when I was shooting. It was like one of my first assignments and I just started laughing. And it's true. It can happen at any time. And, when I, and also whenever I have a, an assistant that had worked with me and then they went off on their own to become a photographer, you know, started shooting and shooting campaigns. And they, I'd hear they say a story like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. I totally messed up. I'm like, YPS. <laughs> it's OK. You'll get over it. Oh, I'm trying to think. What are some of the signs of YPS? I don't even know. I forget. <laughs> That's I don't remember. So There's so many little nuances of things that happened. I had, I had one of those happen on one of my first campaigns for a secret deodorant. And we were, I had, we were shooting and I had the sticks in a pool and we were at the, the camera on a tripod and I popped the, uh, um, the card out and oh, it yeah. flew out. And YPS, landed, buddy. Yeah. That is sweat. That is very YPS. So YPS. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's it. It's just like that. Just like that. YPS of the digital age. You know, I know, notice I always keep talking about film <laughs> and I haven't shot film in so long, but oh, yeah. I'm still so very passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk to you more about that because I love film and I still go back to I it. I see that. Yeah. Mr. Polaroid. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with this new Polaroid that I just got. It's like a refurbished three, Land Camera 350. Ooh. Yeah, it's nice. beautiful. Beautiful. It I have a bunch perfectly. of those. I have a bunch of like 180s and 195s and a Litman wow. that takes four five Polaroid, oh, which wow. you can't really find anymore. <laughs> I mean, they have that. Polaroid, yeah. The Fuji. But yeah, Fujiroid. Yeah. It's still good. Yeah, it's still really good. Yeah. I have cases of Polaroid back there. Can I'll show you it? some. Yeah, I want to see I have see a whole it. bunch of, if you, well, I'll give you some. I don't know if it, it's, some of it's, you know, tainted. You don't, you don't know. Usually it's pretty bad. Usually it's bad after so many years. Yeah. Well, maybe we can do a little quick behind the scenes okay. video. Yeah, so go along with the, uh, yeah. go along with this whole podcast here. But let's go back to when you're assisting and how did you balance assisting and shooting your own work and kind of mm. those two, because I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. Um, especially like people now like have full-time jobs doing something else and they're trying to do photography yeah. and it, you got to stay motivated while you're oh like God. exhausted working for somebody else. And it's, then, you know, well, doing your own work. I always had this philosophy of, um, if you're passionate about something and you love something, no matter what, you're going to be successful at it. Mm. No matter what, if you love it, you're going to be successful at it. It might take time, but it's going to definitely happen. And it's always important to do something every day that you, you, takes you in the forward direction. Or like, if you like, if, you know, I want to be a photographer. I got to do something every day. I might be mm. doing my other job. I might have a job working in a restaurant, but I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a little time doing something 
about mm. photography. And it doesn't have to be literally taking a picture. It can be connecting with a photo editor, editing film, just something that mm. you did for photography that day. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the more time you spend shooting pictures and the more time you spend divulged in that, the, the better chances of becoming a photographer. And to me, there's, there's a three words in photography, and it applies to a lot of creative arts. And it's in this order. It's timing, tenacity, and talent. Ooh. So a timing of literally my career started basically when I took a photo editor home from a photo shoot and I didn't want to, to, a, to a hotel. The photographer's like, can you drive so-and-so back to the hotel? I'm like, but that's an hour and a half away from where I live, <laughs> but you had to do it. Connecting with that photo editor saying, oh my God, you're friends with so-and-so. I know so-and-so. You know what? If you come to New York, you got to come to the, come into the office. Let me see your portfolio. Oh, wow. That connection of that photo editor when I said, yes, I'll be there next week, like I literally scrounged money, got a plane ticket, flew to New York, went to her office, showed her the pictures that I had in my portfolio. And she said, oh, I like, you know what, I like these. You know what, I'm not going to, I don't really have anything for you here, but I have a feeling my friend so-and-so at this magazine is going to like you. I'm call that person up. Next thing you know, I'm sitting in Esquire. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, we love your work, you know, and then, oh, you know who else would like you? They sent me to like premier magazine. So I went to like four magazines in like one day and then I started getting assignments all from taking one connecting. So the timing wow. of being with that right person at the right time and the tenacity, the second word, tenacity of being persistent. Mm. And then the last one is talent because really, you know, there's so many talented photographers out there. Just, you know, I see, I see mom taking pictures that are on Facebook. And I'm like, Oh my God, that picture is absolutely brilliant. And they're constantly doing it. So there's a lot of talent, but it's about being persistent mm. and, and getting that timing to become a photographer. Mm. That's the hard part. Yeah. And also on a sidebar when people, not everyone can you know the whole Instagram thing and I'm doing social media, obviously. And um, you are, I love, I love all your posts and a lot of, and we live in a day and age where a lot of people are photographers, but it's about when you're on assignment and you have to take a picture and recreate that picture. Let's say you have that, you know, you want that beautiful, someone hires you to do that beautiful sunset feeling picture with that warm light and that this and that, but a real photographer, the, the assignment will happen in the middle of the day. Right? right. And it's like, okay, make that happen now. And that's where the talent comes in. You have to really, you have to be able to produce your work. Yeah. I got yeah. sirens. That's why this is New York. I mean, <laughs> Santa Monica. I think there's like a statue. You can't have a siren on in the middle of the day in Santa Monica. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah, timing, tenacity, and talent. That's that's brilliant. And uh, so, so now explain. How about this? So you have talent and you have passion. And what if you don't have talent but mm. you have passion? Can you develop? Everyone has talent. Can you develop? Of course, okay. it's a skill. Just like anything, the amount of hours you put into it, the more the more frames you run through your camera, the more the, the more developed your eye gets. Yeah. You know, my one of my first photo shoots I was on. Um, as an assistant, we were shooting this beautiful model, Carrie Otis, mm. and um, we were in the studio, and literally it was natural light. It was a natural light photographer, and everyone's like, oh, the light's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh, look at the light. Everyone's, like, freaking out over the light. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what are they? What light? What's this light thing? Like, <laughs> what are they looking at? I, I, I really couldn't wrap my head around the beautiful light. I didn't get it. <laughs> I was like... I did. I just didn't understand it. In my first so many photo shoots, I kind of just replicated what other photographers had done. Like mm. we were outside and they just put a silk over somebody and then I would shoot. But I never saw the light. Mm. And then one day after shooting so long, I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. You know, and I've, I developed my eye <laughs> after so many years of shooting 
what good light looks like. And that's yeah. a talent that you build. Mm, that's great. So it's being able to see the light but when other people can't. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at you. I'm like, oh, there's a nice highlight on your cheek coming in. And I got, you know, what would I do to take your portrait right now? Because sometimes you have to, you're forced to take someone's portrait in, an, in a place that's not exactly the best place to take someone's portrait. So you have to make it work. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's, I've experienced that for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get into advertising photography. I that, it's, that is too. advertising. Yeah. <laughs> I built my portfolio off of natural light. And then yeah. people are like, oh, we need to shoot inside of a house, a dark house, and make it look like daylight right. in the middle of the that's, day. There we go. That's a tough one. Also, there's a stigma, and I, people think, oh, you're a natural light photographer, you don't know light. But, but the essence, the reverse is people who shoot natural light know light better. Yeah. That's what I think. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right? That's true. <laughs> Even though, I, like, I, I, tomorrow on my set, I'm going to have about 40, maybe 30 power, 30 packs in the studio. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but good. you have to be able to do it. You know, my favorite thing is when, um, one time I was shooting, I'll say her name, Sharon Stone. And uh, she was amazing. And I was <laughs> shooting her for um, this magazine cover. And I lit, it was like the perfect time of day. And I had my, one of my assistants holding up a reflector, not a round reflector, for God's sake. It was, a, it was just like a beadboard. I had this certain <laughs> type of white beadboard that's soft. It, it literally, anything that any, if hard light bounces into it, it becomes this beautiful, glowy, soft light. Ooh. It's, it's magic. And I was shooting Sharon with this white B-board and she looks up and she goes, she points to me, she goes, you are not using that on me. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I can see it was like, it's just a piece of white board, you know, and, but the light going on was so gorgeous. I yeah. knew that's the one. And I had to explain, I said, and then behind me was a grip truck. I had a three ton grip truck. I said, you see that truck? That truck has every single light a photographer can have. It has, I got packs, I got generators, I got HMIs, I got everything in that truck. And the, the beauty is I'm using this light because this is the best light that we have. This is it. Because I don't have this light all the time. This light, this beautiful light that's hitting you is special. And I'd rather have that light than, you know, the $10,000 worth of gear that's behind me in this truck. Wow. So that happens a lot where I have a truck. <laughs> but you have to have it in case that light isn't there. You know? Yeah. That's, you have to have it as a backup. Yeah. Because you have to get the job done. So what did she say to that? She was okay. She was cool. She was, I showed her a picture. Oh, that's good. That's and ever good. since then, I keep shooting her, so it's good. <laughs> That's great. So how did you learn, you know, how did you learn how to uh, light with packs? You know, you said you got 30 packs on set tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you didn't go to school. You, ass- you learn when you're assisting. When you're assisting, you learn how to do it. I mean, listen, when I was, my first assisting job, I didn't know anything. My first assisting job was with Matthew Ralston. Somehow I finagled my way on set, and it was like a big cover thing. And uh, I got sent into the grip room for a pancake. And I had no idea what a pancake was. And I run into the grip room and I had actually been working in the grip room <laughs> and I run in the grip room and like, we need a pancake. We need a pancake now. What's a pancake? And they stopped the whole production because they need a pancake. And I was like, what is a pancake? And I look at it and no one knew what a pancake was. So I saw a, an extension cord that was like this flat extension cord. I'm like, that could be a pancake. You know, it was like the flat kind. <laughs> so I run back into the studio and there's like. The celebrity is on the stage, the photographer, he's with his tripod, there's like 30 people, the music's playing, and I had this like extension cord in my hand, and they're all waiting for me with, to come in with this pancake, and I'm like, I got it, and I hear this one person go, it's an apple box, asshole, or something like that, I was like, oh, and, I mean, they like stopped the shoot to look at me, and Matthew wanted to, his tripod was off a little bit, and he wanted a pancake 
Apple box to elevate his, 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 his tripod, like a millimeter. And I was like, and then, and then literally, literally, literally the first assistant came up to you and went, Matthew says, do not go near him today. <laughs> that was my first assisting job. So, so that's why AS. Right, 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 right. And then, um, you know, I didn't even know what a power pack was. I was like, well, what's that? But then you learn because then people are nice on set and people know that you need to learn and then you, you mentor other people. So, you know, you learn what the settings are. You learn the power packs. You learn how to do a whiteout. You learn how to, you know, when you start figuring out what lighting is, what different sources do and how this source affects, you know, what does this source do on someone's face? And throughout my years of assisting, that helped working with different types of photographers. I had worked for photographers that never touched the light, that only did ambient light. Mm. And their pictures came out, they're the most stunning photos I've ever seen. Where they would, where they would use mirrors, you know, like uh, Albert Watson would use oh, hard yeah. mirrors. So he did a lot of reflective light and creating these incredible images, shooting huge campaigns, shooting Jennifer Lopez, you know, um, on a beach and never using a light and having, you know, a mass, you know, massive campaigns. Yeah. And um, seeing how things were done or some photographers only using lights. Um, but I, Mark Selger would have the grip truck of every light possible, and he used the lights. He used whatever he had at, the, at that moment. If natural light looked the best, that's what he did. If he needed to light it, he'd light it. So, mm. you know, I realize you don't ha you're not forced to use all these strobes and things. But also, if you, my philosophy is keeping uh, keeping it simple. If you have all these lights and all these strobes and all these things going on, sometimes you lose the spontaneity of a moment. Mm. So, especially in location, and a lot of times you don't have much time with a particular celebrity or something to do, and you need to get a d bunch of different setups in. And if you just, ha let's say I need to light it and I use one source, I can move that source around really fast. Yeah. Right? And I can be spontaneous. If I'm, if I'm you know, I have a chain, if I'm chained to like having four strobes on every time I need to do a shot, well, you lose that spontaneity. You can't, you know, you, listen, you might miss that actual mo the real moment that you need mm. to get with somebody. Because yeah. you're setting up all these, you know, oh, no, I need to set up four strobes to get this picture. Well, <laughs> you know, you might miss the picture. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that feeling quite well. Right. But sometimes you have to. Yeah, you're a problem solver. You pretty much have to do. You're a problem solver. You're a problem solver. But to get back to your question, you know, you learn through other people showing you how to do it. And also, like, grabbing a pack. Like, I remember after assisting, I would, you know, when the photographer left, I'd use the set. Mm. You know, and you get all the power packs out and you play or you, you know, you go into a studio and say, hey, I'm an assistant and I've worked in the studio, a studio a bunch. Would you ever let me test here? And a good studio would say, if they're not booked, they would be, like, yeah, you can test here because they know that when you become a photographer, you're going to want to shoot there. Yeah. And that's 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 what happened a lot. I did a lot of tests in all these studios mm. and I'm, I was always became very loyal to them because they let me they helped me out. Yeah. And so I would go and get power packs and I'd experiment with like throwing heads into like the wall and bouncing them off and doing all these crazy things. But also seeing other photographers that I had assisted for, seeing what they did with lights. Because, mm. you know, everyone has their own way of doing things. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. It's funny because I never, I, I assisted here and there, but I, I didn't really assist too much. A little bit in Seattle and then I moved to L.A. And I mean, but you learned you did it on your own too. I mean, you don't, this, this thing is that with assisting for me, I didn't go to school for photography. I had no idea. I didn't come from a, come from a, 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 um, a graphics background. Right. I, I never had that. I, you know, I was this fly fishing guide. 
You know, I had like, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, thinking about tying my Royal Wolves and my, you know, yeah. my Adams and casting and snowboarding. And I had no idea about photography. I didn't have that experience. So I knew I had to work for people. I had to mentor people yeah. to get that experience. Yeah. We are a very self-motivated person. I think that's huge in, yeah. in yeah. growing your career. Mm-hmm. Um, here's an, something that uh, someone reminded me of. So I had my last day assisting. I vividly remember it because... I was on this shoot that was lasting. It was like 19 hours, the 19th hour of a shoot. And I was one of the only assistants because this photographer could only handle, couldn't really handle too many people being around him. And I was like, he, he tolerated me and uh, loading like all these Pentexes by myself. And, um, and I remember being in the studio and the, the film cart was there and I had a Sharpie. I was just miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And uh, I mean, I'm working for peanuts and I, there was a Sharpie on this and there was a, a mag liner, not a, um, a Rubbermaid cart. And I wrote, this is my very last shoot. I just wrote it down on a Sharpie in there. I didn't even think anything of it. Maybe like seven years ago. No, that was a long time ago. I was in 98. So no, that was in um, 2000. Okay. So maybe like a couple years ago, there's um, a gentleman who um, owns a big um, production company. <laughs> and um, he was telling a story. And the story was about me. And I was like... And he was saying, and Jeff wrote his name. He wrote, this is my very last shoot on the Rubbermaid cart. I'm like, wait a minute. How did you know that? Well, apparently I wrote on the Rubbermaid cart and I shoved it into the grip room. And the guy that was working in the grip room was like, oh, look what Lipsky wrote down. This is my very last shoot. And then he still worked in the grip room. And then like so many years later, I was shooting in that studio. And he remembered that I wrote down, this is my very last shoot. And it was my very last shoot. Like that was my, literally my last shoot. And he would tell the story. (laughs) <laughs> so I found out, like, I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. someone else, someone remember. I just did it personally. Like, I didn't think anyone saw it. And I just, like, shoved the card in there. And that's my, I, but I literally decided to stop assisting. Mm. And I did not take another assisting job. I said, that's it. I am done. You know when you're done. That's the thing. Because you can get stuck in this assisting world because it's like a, you know, it's a drug because you get to travel. You get to meet all these incredible people. Mm-hmm. But you are still working for somebody. And if you want to be a photographer, you got to start branch out on your own. That's yeah. the hardest thing to do. you got to get your own wings. you got to push out. And when I pushed out, boy, I starved. I like, I was, it was not, it was not easy. But I stayed true to myself. And I yeah. didn't want to assist anymore. And I just started taking more pictures. And I, that's when I became really hungry. You know, to do, I was like, I was ready. And I just stayed Stay true. And yeah. the assignments slowly came in. You know, I had I had it. You know, I, I would go to New York and I, with my book under my arm and I would go see as many people as I can. And just, you know, I literally pounded on doors. You literally pound on doors. Wow. You're a salesman. You're a salesman that's showing, you know, you're, you're selling your talent. Yeah. And how do these meetings go when you're meeting with these photo editors and advertising people? You and- know, it depends. It depends on how you feel about your book. Mm. It's really one of those things where, you know, your book, you're just starting your book out and you go meet somebody and you see someone look through your book. And if you're unsure about it yourself, they see it. If you're mm. assured about your pictures and you like your pictures and you feel confident about what you've taken, and if someone doesn't like them, it's okay. It's like, fine, you don't like my pictures? That's fine. I like them. Yeah. Eventually, someone's going to like your pictures the way that you do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's okay. But if you don't like your pictures, and people don't like your pictures, then you got a problem. <laughs> Back to the chalkboard. Right, right. And, and, and believe me, people look at your books. Sometimes you send, you know, you spend, you can spend all this time putting your book together and somebody can look at, turn pages without even glancing down at the picture, right? They'll talk, they'll talk to you and they're like, they're looking at you, but their hands are turning the page 
there's nothing worse. That is, uh, I can't tolerate that. I mean, please just give me, just pretend you're looking at my pictures then. Don't like turn the page. And every, I'm sure everyone, every photographer, every single photographer has gone through this where they've taken yeah. their book into some meeting and someone's talking or they'll we'll skip pages. You're like, oh my God, you just missed my <laughs> test that I spent half my life savings on. <laughs> so, um, you know. Yeah, but it, it builds it builds your character, it builds up. So you have confidence. Like I can go into a meeting now, and if someone doesn't like my pictures, I'm like, all right, well that's not you're not into my what I like. That's fine. Yeah, you know that's okay. That's a great point. You know, yeah, you got to be confident, and, and you move on. And but you don't want to get stuck on well, I can, maybe I can shoot this way, or maybe I should shoot shoot this way. Suddenly you're the person that's shooting. You know, you got to find yourself. You got to stay true to what you like mm. and your aesthetic. Like some people will say, well, you need to shoot more strobe, or you need to shoot more inside to get that assignment. Yeah. And then suddenly you're shooting all this stuff that doesn't look like who you really are. Mm. And you got to figure that out. Like, am I working to make money or am I, you know, eventually it should always be shooting something for your, like that you love. Mm -hmm. Should never be about money. Yeah. Never be about, it's, it's easier said than done, but it should always be that I love taking pictures. Yeah. That's great. I, I feel. Absolutely. I feel. Absolutely. Show me the money. <laughs> Show me the money too. <laughs> <laughs> so how did your career evolve? Um, from there, you you started. You got your first job with Banana Republic, mm. and then you started. Was that and you, it, you started? You hit the pavement, and then you then you got that job. Or? Um, I was actually assisting when I got that job. Oh, okay, it's one of my. You know, even when I was assisting, when I at the end of my assisting career, before I wrote on that mag, on that on that Rubbermaid film cart, uh, this is my very last job. I um had already gotten some assignments. Had mm. already been shooting a little bit, not much, but uh. You know, I had some, I did banana and I did uh, a couple editorials here and there for, you know, some celebrity magazines and I was on my way, mm. but I still had one foot in the door of, of an, being an assistant and that was keeping me, that was dragging me down. Yeah. yeah. So I made that commit, you know, once I made that commitment, I jumped in with both feet. That's great. Yeah. Cause you know, I don't want to be on set with uh, uh, a magazine or something as an assistant like working with this big photographer and the photo editor sees you as an assistant. Well, or let's say I shoot an assignment for that person. And then the next week you're, you're an assistant on the job. You know, you don't want, you know, I want people to look at me, you know, a certain way. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with being an assistant, but you want to, in some people's minds, you know, they're going to hire, they want to hire a photographer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. So now you're, you're shooting a lot more editorial. It feels like that's, I mean, editorial seems to give you a lot more creative freedom. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I love it. I love my editorial. That's my lifeblood. Yeah. Um, but obviously if you shoot too much, if you only shoot editorial, you're not shooting anything else. Editorial is slowly going away. There's not, it's financially not viable. It's not easy to be, it really isn't. When I see it, when I shoot a cover of a magazine, it's, or a, a big piece for a magazine, it's more for, it's a calling card. My name's on it. It's, um, you know, it's promotion. It also possibly goes in my portfolio. There's lots of reasons to shoot editorial, but really the money, you're not going to make money shooting editorial, but it's, but it's, then again, it's something that you're proud of and it makes yeah. you feel good. And then that, that's why you do it. So I was shooting, I didn't shoot much advertising when I started. I was all editorial. Mm. I never thought about advertising when I was start my career started. I just thought all I cared about was I want to shoot for this magazine. God, yeah. I want to shoot for, I want to shoot for Rolling Stone. I want to shoot for Esquire. I want to shoot for, you know, I want to shoot covers of this magazine. I had yeah. certain aspirations. Um, and that's, that's all I cared about. Not, not making money. Not, I just wanted to get in these magazines. Cause I, you can look at my office, so many magazines. I'm still like holding on to the whole magazine thing. 
Yeah. I look through all my, you know, my Italian Vogue's and all my old books, and I just love that uh, the picture on a paper. I even have prints right here. So, so great. Um, it took a, a while, and then I got my first agent, and then that started translating to like some average. Like they started trying to take my editorial and presenting it more in an advertising way mm. to get those assignments. Yeah, because an agent doesn't want a photographer that's just shooting editorial. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. An agent wants you to get av- editorial assignments so that you can get your advertising job. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, when you get an assignment for well, let's let's talk more editorial because that's like yeah, you get more fine. freedom. What's how do you come up with the ideas? How often are you coming up with the ideas? Um, you know, especially uh, when you're shooting these big personalities. It's a, it's, it's a definite, I mean, I don't want to be so cliche in it, but it's a huge collaboration. Mm. It really is. A good photo editor will give an assignment out to a photographer that fits the assignment. And also will give an assignment out knowing that the assignment will get done the right way. Like, cause they, they don't want to, they're, they're under the pressure too. Like they got to get the job done. So yeah. they're going to go to someone who's reliable. That's why when they, when you show a portfolio to a photo editor, your portfolio has to have a consistency. They have to look through that book and then when they're done with it and they're going to get, they, let's say they look through your work and they have an assignment in mind, they know what they're going to get. They got to, they know that you're going to get, they're going to get your look. Yeah. Right. If you have a book that it's all over the place, like I can, I, you know, I can see one of your pictures and I know you shot it. I'm like, and yeah, you know, people know, mm-hmm. right? That's what every photographer should aspire to, mm. to find, to have a certain look in a picture that people can identify with that photographer. So your portfolio, you know, you can shoot from celebrity to fashion to, you know, record labels to the food. And if you can have a consistent look, that's you in all those, in all those genres, that's, that's what you want. Yeah. So um, so a photo editor will hire you with that, that, that wants your look. So they're not going to ask you to do something crazy. You know, they're hof- hopefully they're asking you to do what you do, but the magazine will say, will give me an assignment for a celebrity and the celebrity will want to have input right through their publicist. Mm-hmm. Well, they won't wear a bathing suit. They won't go in a pool. A magazine, we have to have them in a pool, right? <laughs> And then there's the photographer. You know what? I really don't want him in a pool because uh, I don't. I have a lot of pool shots in my book, and I really don't want so and so in a pool. I, I actually I don't want them in a pool. I want them like you know doing something else. So you yeah. have what you want to do, you have what the magazine wants to do, and then of course the celebrity wants to do something else. <laughs> and that's where it becomes very tricky. Yeah, that's where it becomes tricky. So you have to have a comp. It's a compromise. And you know, I've I've done things where um, I was shooting for Glamour. I was shooting um, Zac Efron and. Um, Michael B. Jordan and Miles, mm. Miles Teller, who was in Whiplash. I mean, a great cast. These guys are yeah, the yeah, most yeah. talented actors. I mean, they are the they are it. And it was for Glamour, and uh, Glamour goes, you know, we really want to get them in a pool. And of course, we've scouted a house that had a pool, and the publicist came up to me and went, "There's no way our clients are going to go in a pool. So just take it off the take it off the thing." I'm like, "Okay, I just mentioned it. I just mentioned the pool. It's okay." Well, I knew so through experience. So that house had a pool, and I told that homeowner, that pool needs to be like 100 degrees. <laughs> it needs to be as hot as, just heat it like a hot tub. Like, get it so hot, like, oh, my God, I can't believe And it was like a winter, it wasn't like a summer day. So I went to the right. pool, so we paid extra money to get that pool toasty. You could see the steam coming off of it. And, of course, when the actors come to the set, and they're like, hang, and they come in the back, and they see this pool, what's the first thing they're going to do? They put their finger in that pool, because they see that it's hot. They're like, wow, man, this thing's... 
wow, that looks nice. <laughs> Just put it in their brain. That's all. And then at the end of the shoot, they're all wearing like $4,000 Dior suits and crazy. So do you guys want to jump in the pool with your suits on? What guy doesn't want to jump in a pool with, their, with a $4,000 suit on? And they know it's <laughs> nice and toasty. They were like, hell yes. And so I don't know if you can see the picture. There's Zach flying uh, in the air and all those shot. guys in the pool. And that was the shot. I love that shot. That's so beautiful. But that was the whole, you know, that, that was something like where I had to work the angle because, mm. you know, I was being told no, but you have to figure out a way to do it and still mm. save face with the people, you know, the publicists. And I, I love them that these particular people that I was working with, I, I have a reputation with them and I can't deceive them. Right. I don't want to be the sneaky guy that's doing like, you know, you say yes, but I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> so this is, this is a tightrope you have to, you have to follow because yeah. you want to get a good shot. You know, nothing's worse than getting an assignment. Hey, can you shoot a, this isn't a fictitious thing, but can you shoot um, Clooney? Yeah, God, I'd love to shoot Clooney. You got to ask how they want you to shoot the person, right? Because right. then it will be like, well, he's with cats. Is it okay with like this kitty cat? You're like, no, I don't want to shoot him with a kitty cat. Like, there's, with, you know, with his favorite pet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all you get. Yeah. So what am I going to do with, like, a person with their favorite pet? Unless I'm doing a favorite pet book, which is, could be, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but my joke is, I'm like, oh, so-and-so is asking you to shoot uh, this thing with this person. I'm like, is it with a cat? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, it is with a cat. I'm like, no, I won't do it. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> that's hilarious. Some magazines are, like, all about celebrity and their pets. <laughs> wow. But you got to be careful what the assignment is. Yeah, yeah. So how do you when you're on set? How do you how do you deal with big personalities and celebrities? Is there everyone's the same? Everyone's the same. I mean, everyone. You know, I, I like to make people feel comfortable no matter what. So mm-hmm. listen, everyone. Every, people go, who's like the hardest person you've ever dealt with? Who's the easiest? Everyone is nice. Everyone. No, no, no one wants their picture taken. Most people do not like standing in front of a stills camera. That's a fact. Unless you're a model and you're really into it, but actors actually hate being in front of a camera because it's stills. It's not moving. It's a totally different genre for them. And I realize that. So, you know, when I'm with a celebrity, I just let them know, listen, we're going to get this done. You're going to be out of here before you know it. We're going to have fun. Yeah. It's about having fun. Like, it's going to be easy. We're going to have a good time. I have good music playing because you can play music on set, right? Yeah. Not rolling sound. So we always have good music. I make people feel really good. I'm more concerned sometimes about when I have a, a shoot, a big production, and I'm shooting a celebrity. Sometimes I'm thinking about, are they going to be able to park right in front? Right? How stupid is that? I'm worrying about where they're going to park because I want them to have an easy, easy time getting to my set. Mm. Right? If I have a crazy location somewhere, do they have like the best directions possible? It's actually, let's have a car pick them up. Like a car is going to pick them up because I don't want them to think about, I just want them to be like, this was so easy. Mm. You know, how you know, yeah. I want them to feel comfortable in the food. And I've, I've, I've had the luxury of like shooting people like a cover truck covers and I could shoot it in a studio, but I'll get a house, mm. a house with a nice view. So it's like, we're just chilling out in someone's house and I'll do uh, covers on white at a house because it doesn't feel like a studio. It's like someone's backyard and it's like, they're more relaxed. And when they weren't more relaxed, They'll give me more time, mm. right? Or they're more relaxed and I get I can get more things from them. If they're all like, I don't want to be here, let's get this over with. Well, that's not, those, you can't, it's hard to take good pictures that way. Yeah. So there's a little bit of angle that I, I really, it's, I, you know, I was a waiter for a long time when I lived in Tyride and I really use that experience of like, it's service. Like I want to pe- want to make people happy. I want to like, you know, what do you need? Let's do, you know, it's a give and take. Let's, and let's enjoy the process. Let's yeah. enjoy the process. Mm, and if you enjoy it, I'll get you. You're going to be out of here before you know it. And you know what? You might even, you're going to have some good food. You hear some good music. 
you know, like just, yeah, I need this from you. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's great advice. Yeah. No, I, I don't like, I, I, some people have forced photographs, like they want that tension and that forced thing, but I, not me. Cause I, I, my, I like the, my photographs, I like the people to be, I don't like to use the word happy, but there's like a, a lightness to their, to who they are. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I, that's what I strive for. I love you know, that. Well, your your photos definitely show that. You know, I mean, I yeah, I'm attracted to like this dark, heavy, like, you know, what's the um, what's the word I'm looking for when um, some photographers I look at the, like Italian Vogue and all these things. I'm like, God, how edgy. I'm like, oh God, I wish I was an edgy photographer because I love looking at this. <laughs> so you know, Peter Lindbergh and, and and all these, you know, I love those edgy photographers that can do do all that. And I'm like, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't shoot that way, but I, you know, every, every photographer wants to be a little more edgier than they really are. Yeah. Right. I hear that. We I all. hear that. Yeah, for sure. How do you, how would you describe your style? Mm-hmm. Um, spontaneous. Uh, I like the, I like the word organic mm. unforced. Yeah. Um, simple. I like the simple, beautiful images. Timeless. Yeah. Timeless, beautiful images. I'd rather, you know, I don't have any fancy curves or anything. I don't have anything going on where, like, it's it's a trend. I want it to be able to stay, withstand the test of time. Yeah. You know, I, I know it's important to, like, change your who you are and ebb and flow with the times. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you know, move it after die kind of scenario. But I really like that timeless, beautiful, you know, natural, organic image unforced and yeah. you know hey it might look that way but there was actually like a production of 50 people behind you to get it yeah but you know it and to you know a lot of images people think oh it's easy to shoot those images but actually it's actually harder to constantly reproduce that type type of work over and over again yeah but i do like that like those those in between moments those beautiful moments of somebody that, that you know i'm always shooting i'll shoot fast to capture that one frame of that oh that's the moment right there yeah yeah, yeah. that's awesome so now, how do you feel about mentoring other people and, and other photographers? Yeah. I mean, I've always been open, you know, I'm always open to, I'm always flattered when someone contacts me and says, oh, you know, I love your work. And, you know, is there any way, you know, I can answer you a couple questions? I'm like, sure. I'm like, I'm like I can't believe they even know I'm a photographer. You know, <laughs> that's so cool that someone contacted me and they saw something, you know. That's awesome. But, um, so, yeah, I'm always like open. I mean, I remember you contacted me and, and yeah, what did I say? Like, you're like, I was like, oh, let's go to lunch. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Let's go to lunch. This like, is I so have cool. not, um, yeah. That's awesome. You know, I always like, I always like helping people. I always like having people on, uh, someone who doesn't, you know, like would come on my set and we, and I'll show them the ropes. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad about having interns and stuff because, um, I was like, what am I going to, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I have to have somebody. There's no the floor to sweep, you know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know. And I don't want you to sweep a floor. I'd be like, no, don't sweep a floor. I'll sweep the floor. Why don't you sit down and? <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. Uh, so, what are your favorite? What are your favorite film cameras? Oh, uh, well, you love to actually use. Uh, I have a uh, 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 Mamiya um, Seven Two Rangefinder. You know that mm, one? I have one of those. Ooh, baby, so nice. So good. The sixty five. Ah, uh, I can't. I think I have the eighty on. Okay, yeah, eighty is really good. I I have this thing where certain cameras are good because of the lenses. So, um, like the reason why I shoot a Hasselblad, I don't shoot the Hasselblad because I have to use the IQ two fifty with the, one of the I you know the fifty back the new phase backs. Mm-hmm. I shoot the Hasselblad because it has the fifty lens. Mm. 
Mm. See, that lens is so beautiful. Like, you can't get that look with other cameras. So the 50 on that camera was it. Yeah. You know, the Pentax 67 had the 105. The RZ67 had, oh, that was the, what was that one? Had the sixth. The reason to shoot the RZ was the 110. Mm. The 110 on the RZ was it. That was the look. That's what I miss about film cameras because you had all these different looks where now digitally everyone has the same either Nikon or Canon or, you know, basically Hasselblad. Yeah. There's no diversity in cameras anymore. Where film cameras, everyone had, you know, shoot the Rolly, shoot a RZ, shoot a Pentax. Yeah. But I have um, the, R, the, the Mia 7.2 and I have a Litman 4.5, which is a, a 4x5 oh. that's converted to a point to a um, basically a point shoot 4x5. Yeah. That's my camera. If I had it here, I would show you it's at home. Wow. That's it. It's so beautiful. It looks like a Polaroid 110. Oh, wow. But it's converted over to shoot 4x5. Beautiful. This one guy makes them like, handmade. That's awesome. I don't know if he still makes them anymore. They were really hard to find. Oh, wow. wow. But stuff like that I love. Do you still use it any at all? Yeah, I still break it out. And I have a, a Contax T3 35mm one. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think I busted mine. Yeah, I busted so many of them. <laughs> they break. <laughs> they break. Expensive things to break. Exactly. But the Mamiya is, is it. That rangefinder, that's where you go. That's You take that everywhere. I'm taking that to Italy next week. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah I took that out. I, was, I took that on a trip to Morocco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was fun. It, it's fun going through airports now with film. They like a... In each, <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you have high-speed film and you ask for it. Yeah, like it's a, always high-speed. Yeah. It's oh, this is high speed. This is thirty. This I always no. Well, you can have a four hundred. You can send you know this. It's four hundred ISO. You can send it through. No, everything in this bag is thirty two hundred. <laughs> It'd be like one hundred. Everything's thirty two. I had, actually it would have bags labeled thirty two hundred. <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. No, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was just, I just went to Cuba and like they were we were going in, getting coming into the country and they're like we had to scan. They had the X ray machine, and they're like. Looking at it, like, what is what this? What is this? <laughs> I was like, film. Right. Film. And the reality is, if it really went through, it wouldn't be that horrible. I mean, it can go through once. I always say it can go through once. <laughs> you want to go through twice. The myth, yeah. Yeah. There's all these urban myths about film and x-ray. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But digitally you, don't, digitally, you have to worry about that, too. I mean, those digital cameras break so much. I have them break on me all the time. I've yeah. had, what's that, you know, <laughs> I've had like the... A new Hasselblad in a phase back, and I'm shooting, and I'm like, what's that plastic smell? <laughs> like the camera's literally burning oh, up. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, smoldering plastic. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's why you have those, you know, I, I never, um, about being prepared and being professional, I never go on a photo shoot without double everything. Double laptops, double lenses, double cameras. Everything is backed up. All the time. Every single thing is backed up, because yeah. nothing worse than something going wrong. <laughs> Because that, that's who you are as a, as a person. You can be on assignment and your one camera, their one lens that you need for the entire shoot goes down. You're done. Game over. You're game over. <laughs> They'll never use you again. <laughs> oh, no. So what? So looking back, what's one lesson that you would go back and tell your younger self in mm. life? In life? Mm. Pertaining, pertaining to photography? Uh, no, just in life, I think. Life lesson. Ooh. Well, first thing is I should have bought the house in Telluride that I lived in. <laughs> For $100,000, it's worth like $8 million now. Oh. Okay. Um, you know what? I I, I, I got to say, I, I came from really good parents. 
and uh they gave me such wonderful they gave me such a, a wonderful perspective of life and i always felt good about who i was as a person and i always knew that to do whatever i want to do that as long as i'm happy and that's really the advice i would give myself like do what makes you happy but i've always knew that myself anyways but that's i mean it's about doing, making yourself happy don't be miserable enjoy your life yeah you know, enjoy life. I still like I get caught up now because I have a family and everything's always going on and everything. But you still got to live in the moment. And it's you got to remind yourself that yeah. to live in the moment. But do what you love. That's my thing. Do what you love. And I, I say that and I guess I need to remind myself now because sometimes in photography, you start shooting assignments and doing things that you don't love. Right. You just you forget like you love being behind the camera. And that's the moment. That's like I love being behind my camera. Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean that I always love when I'm shooting, not necessarily, right? So, but it's that like I get caught up, I get to shoot today, and I'm so excited. I still get excited. Like I have a shoot tomorrow. I shot yesterday, but I'm excited to shoot tomorrow because I'm going to be behind my camera now. Am I going to love exactly what I'm shooting? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. You know, I don't know. But I love the process of it. Yeah. But it's important to know you need to shoot something that you love. And I forget that because you know, I'm caught up in doing different assignments, and I'm caught up in in rates and things that I need. You know money and um things that you know assignments that I wouldn't necessarily take but i'm taking them because it might get me something yeah you forget you got to do something that you really enjoy and you love you know and yeah you know i, I do love the process but i need to i need to uh stay true to my course of of, of my passion of the type of photography of the, of the you know the way i started out like those tests that i started yeah. doing when i was young i wish i still did those Absolutely. I still wish I, sometimes I have old, I have old scrapbooks and I get all nostalgic and I, you know, scrapbooks where I would take contact sheets and I tape them in and I do all these fun things with the photos. And sometimes I take them out and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh my God. <laughs> that was me. I shot that way. Oh, maybe I need to do that more. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so I always like to say, you know, be true to yourself and make your, be happy in what you do. It's beautiful. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't want to be behind a desk, don't go behind a desk. <laughs> For God's sake. I've never been behind a desk. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Life's too short. Oh, yeah. I can't I can't do it. Yeah. So one last question that I'd love to ask all of my guests is in the space of creativity and like inspiration, what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration. Well, be true to yourself, first of all. Mm-hmm. Keeping your eyes wide open and opportunity and your heart open and being taking in, taking in anything you can, yeah. you know, I mean, once you become closed minded and you're set, you get these deep grooves and set in your ways, you forget you, you're not inspired. I mean, you gotta be open. Yeah. So that means to me being open, you know, I might, I have a saying, sometimes I forget how open minded I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Cause you, I forget. I'm like, Oh my God, I am open minded. Oh, yeah, I'm open to things. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, like creativity. Creativity is everywhere. You know, I, you inspire yeah. me when I see your you know, your blog and I, I listen to your podcast. It's like, a, you know, you got to stay true to yourself and, and not be closed-minded. Yeah. You know, I, 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 it's hard to find ins- just inspiration everywhere. You just have to open your mind to it. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I always think, oh, I'm going to travel. You know, I live in, here. I live right by the beach. I'm like, I'm not inspired. When I, you know, but I'm inspired when I go to New York. I got to say, when I go to New York City, it's mind. It blows my mind. Yeah, it does. It's just like it's overwhelming. <laughs> it's one of those cities. It's yeah. 
Well, awesome. Well, Jeff, I acknowledge you uh, for taking the time for this and oh, just being like who you are time. and being Thanks so sense. inspiring. Yeah. And, no. and for sharing your story. It's a pleasure. And um, yeah. So where can people see your amazing work on the interwebs, Ooh. the internets, follow you on the social media sure. outlets? You know, always um, at Jeff Lipsky for Instagram. I promise to post more regularly. It's hard to do. And that whole it's that whole social media thing is tough as for a photographer because you need to show your work, but you got to be careful how you do it. Um, so yeah. um, at Jeff Lipsky and my f- website, jefflipsky.com, yeah. is um, awesome. always there for anyone to look at. I try to update it. <laughs> Definitely check it out. <laughs> Jeff's work is amazing. I am always blown away by the stuff that he has. So thank you so much for your thank time. You. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. Absolute pleasure. Cool. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Shop Talk Radio with Jeff Lipsky. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review over on iTunes and share the episode on Twitter, Facebook. It's shoptalkradio.com slash EP64. You can also go check out the studio tour of Jeff's office at that link, as well as the photos that we took of him. So with that, go out, create some amazing things this week, and we'll see you next time. 